0: he is risen, he is risen and you know there's another verse that goes really well with that this is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice rejoice in what a day to be glad in Amen. we have the assurance that Jesus is resurrected from the dead and the assurance that because he is resurrected that all in christ are resurrected to walk a newness of life what a, what a promise what a blessing uh folks god made us to be eternal beings uh wh- whether wh- whether our, our destiny is, is god's glory or somewhere else you you will live forever and wouldn't it be wonderful to know that we're going to live in God's glorious kingdom? That's, that's, that's our, our hope and our expectation. It's a sure hope that we will, as believers, reign with him eternally. If you would, please take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Beginning with verse 1. Matthew writes, Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who's been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said, Come see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you let us pray Father what a vision of glory Lord just as you had promised after three days you'll rise again and Father in your your rising from the grave we have risen from our death in your victory, we have become overcomers. And Lord, as you are seated at the Father's right hand, so you have seated us. We thank you, Lord, for this, uh, for this wonderful promise that where you are, we will be with you forever. Now, Lord, as we uh, look into your word, the truth of your word, Father, enlighten our minds and our hearts to have clear understanding as to who you are, that you are the risen Lord. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful gift that you've given us of salvation through Jesus Christ, in whose name I pray, amen. There is a spiritual truth that we are given, that if there is no resurrection, then we have no hope of eternal life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 And uh, look at in verses 13 and 14 and then 16 through 19, we find these words. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says this, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. And verse 16 through 19 says, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. So folks, you know what? People say that that Christianity is, is just a crutch. And they say, you know, people need this religious stuff to believe in, but, but there's, really no, there's really no resurrected, Jesus is not God, there's no resurrected Lord that, you know, once a person dies, he's, he's, he's dead forever. You know, that, that the grave is the final resting place. And so we go along and we go through life and we think of all these graves with R.I.P. on it. You know, I don't know whose initials those are, but R.I.P., you know, somebody, somebody with a P., Folks, Christianity is not a crutch. It is a life. If you you die without Christ in your life, let me put it this way. I have a friend well, the guy that preached Friday, preached about the death of Jesus. We we, we laugh about this all the time. We say, you know, that uh, we should dress up like gorillas, and we should stand up and, and point one arrow up And one arrow down. Which way are you headed? Up, whoop, or down, whoop? Folks, which way are you headed? Are you going up? Are you going up? Or are you going down? I wanna share this with you. When you pass from this life, you will either meet God as your Redeemer. Or you will meet God as your judge. But meet God you will. Today's Easter, Resurrection Sunday. There's a church because there's a risen Christ. He went to the cross in our place paid the sin debt for us, paid our death, bore our sins and His Father's wrath, and on that cross He triumphed over the powers of sin, hell, and Satan. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days later it was announced by the angels from the realms of glory that He is not here, but He is risen. Eyewitnesses. Would attest to the fact that Christ had risen from the dead. In First Corinthians chapter fifteen and, and verse fifty-eight, Paul, again writing to the church at uh, church of Corinth, gives us gives us this word: the sting of death is sin, and the power of death. Is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abiding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain. Listen, folks, that what we do on this earth, we do it because we serve a resurrected Jesus. On the cross, he delivered us from our spiritual bondage, secured our salvation, robed us in righteousness, and has sealed us for eternity. Is it any wonder then why Paul writes that there's no resurrection, that we're of all men, of all people, the most to be pitied? Peter, in the sermon on the day of Pentecost, said concerning Jesus, you nailed him to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And then he says, but God raised him up again, and by his death and resurrection, the church is his redeemed people who are called into fellowship with him with a sure hope that there is about to come a day when there will be our adoption as sons and the redemption of our bodies. Folks, do you all understand this, that the body that we have right now, you're not taking this to heaven? Do you want to take that to heaven with you? Do I want to take this to heaven? Now I know you think I have an athletic, you know, this, this guy must be in a center for the Lakers. <laughs> hey, I built this on junk food, let me tell you. <laughs> I do not want to take this to Glory. Romans 8:23 says, "Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our body. You and I are going to receive new, glorified bodies." One that will inhabit the very, the, the very essence of heaven, the paradise that Jesus promised us. We will inherit that with bodies that are able to go through all of his kingdom of glory and we will be with Christ forever. In Matthew 28, 2, we are told that an earthquake occurred, an angel from heaven descended, the stone had been, that, was, that sealed Jesus' tomb was rolled away. The Roman guards who secured the tomb became so so fearful that way that they were like dead men. And then in verse 3 it is recorded that Jesus appeared out of the tomb. You know, my wife and I were just talking about this today. What if you were there? And you were one of those Roman guards. And you're one of the four men, one of the four Roman soldiers just sitting by the gravesite. And all of a sudden, this stone just begins to roll away. I tell you, I'd be rolling away myself. (laughs) The stone begins to roll away. Bright lightning coming out of the grave. An angel appearing out of glory himself, Jesus ascending, rising from the dead, raising from the dead. Folks, if that occurred today, and you were one of those guards, and you had your cell phone on you, you would be, you would be in such apoplectic fear that you could not even dial 911 on your phone. You couldn't even press one button. You, listen, listen folks, we would be paralyzed with fear because what had happened. Could you imagine 2,000 years ago that those four Roman soldiers, what are they going to tell their commander? What are they going to tell Pilate, the governor? What are they going to tell Herod, the king? What are they going to tell the leaders of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish assembly? I don't know. I was just sitting there. And all of a sudden, the stones started moving. The earth started shaking. Bright light coming out of the tomb. What could I do? Jesus had resurrected. Earthquakes, angels, giant stones being moved. The appearance of a once dead man. Bright as lightning, brilliant white apparel being worn. No wonder the guards looked as though they were dead men. But wait a minute. If you think that this was amazing, now the resurrection was incredible. But if you think this was amazing, something that would put you into into a a moment that you couldn't even begin to understand or, or imagine... Just wait until Jesus comes back. In the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verses 11 through 16, listen to this. As amazing as the resurrection was, there there is still, because folks, I believe we're we're about this close to Jesus coming back. Man, do we live in a world today that is broken? Do we live in a world today that is absolutely uncertain from one day to the next? Listen, we live in a world that is so uncertain. It's as uncertain as as tomorrow's gas prices. You don't know what you're going to pay for. We have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow biblically. But listen to what the book of Revelation says, chapter 19, beginning at verse 11. John writes, and I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse And he who sat on us called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses, and from his mouth a sharp sword so that with it he may strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords folks that is something and that is about to happen have you prepared yourself for that do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know that Jesus died for our sins? That he was buried and that he rose again. Folks, that's the gospel. Do you believe in the gospel? We have many critics today. We have many cynics. Yes, they didn't have their own day. April 1st. My friend, Jesus didn't just simply rise from the dead, but he rose into the eternal glory of the Father's right hand. He is the exalted Lord of glory, and has been given a name above every name. That at His name, that there is coming day when every knee shall bow, and there is coming day when every tongue shall confess that the resurrected Jesus is the Lord of glory. But what does that resurrection of Jesus mean to us as Christians? there's three things I want to share with you quickly. What does the resurrection mean for you and I? First, it is the guarantee that we as believers are secure in Jesus Christ. In John 5, 24, Jesus says, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Folks, It's a slam dunk when you put your trust into Jesus Christ. Jesus you have already passed from death to life. It's not something you wait for. And listen, because you believe in Jesus, some of us are very slack concerning our our work as Christians. Folks, listen, when you believe in Jesus, you don't just go to the corner and sit down at the bus stop wait for a bus to come pick you up. We're We're supposed to be busy for the Lord. Peter's, or, uh, Paul says to the church of Corinth, be steadfast, immovable in your work of the Lord. Stay steadfast in your work. Get busy for God. The person who's placed their trust in Jesus does not face final judgment, believes the court of heaven already acquitted due to the substitutionary work of Christ on the cross and by the validation of the of the of the person life and work of Christ by God raising excuse me raising him from the dead the validation of your salvation is the fact that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead listen the validation the validation of your security in Christ your salvation You're being sealed. The validation of that is that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. John 10, 28, Jesus says, I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Let it suffice to say at this verse that the security of the sheep the security of the sheep does not rest in the hands of the sheep. It does not rest in the hands of the thieves, nor of the wolves. The security of the sheep rests in the hands of the shepherd. I'm not talking about the pastor of the church. If you're putting, if, listen, if you're putting your life in my hands, I, I really feel sorry for you. Have you seen my converts? (laughs) I don't think you want to. The security of the sheep rests in the hands of the great shepherd. A glorified, exalted, resurrected shepherd. The The second thing. We are given the assurance that we as believers are seated with Christ. We are seated with Christ. Ephesians 1 reads, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in heavenly places. So here we not only have the validation of the atoning work of Christ and that being proven by his being raised from the dead, but we find that God also exalted him to the place of divine honor and glory by seating him at his right hand. A position of power and authority. You know, I spent a number of years in the military, and one thing I learned, one thing I learned, I was served as a chaplain. That uh, when you have two officers together, put two officers together. Do you know how to tell which one's the superior officer? The position they sit at. The commanding officer the commanding officer always has the junior officer to his right. If, if, if one is an admiral and the next guy down is a captain, now a captain in the Navy is different than the captain in the other branches. Captain in the Navy would be like a colonel. But you have an, an admiral, which is a, a, an, an 08, and a, and a captain, which is an 07, and they're seated together. The captain sits at the right hand. Because the admiral has the authority, and he passes that authority on from the right hand. Jesus is at the the right hand of the Father. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19, 20, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. So he receives authority from his Father, from the right hand of the Father. The hand of power and strength and authority. The hand that that sets and seals a decree. And he gives that authority to Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the life of the church. He is the hope of the church. He's the resurrected Jesus. He's been given a name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Things in heaven and earth under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But there's more. There's more. We know that Jesus is seated at the Father's right hand. And we know that we are in Christ being sealed in Christ by the working of the Holy Spirit. And we know that we are seated with Christ at the Father's right hand in heavenly places. So then what does this seated position mean for us as Christians? In Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. In verses 1 and 2 and 12 and 16. Let me just read this for you. Paul writing to the church of Colossae says, therefore, therefore, if you have been raised, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. And then he says in verse 12 through 16, so As those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone just as your Lord has forgave you, so you should also, beyond all these things, put on love. Which is a perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Now notice in verses 12 to 13. That we are seated with Christ. That we are to pursue those virtues. that That promote a Christ like attitude. Our attitude ought to be different. I know it's difficult when you're driving down the road and people don't have the same wonderful attitude that you all do. Listen, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to charge you for this. Let me just share this with you. When you put these religious symbols on your car and you drive like the devil, you're confusing people. You can't do that. Either watch your driving or get rid of the symbol. Something's got to go. Folks, but listen, we we are to have an attitude like Jesus had. Philippians 2.5, let this mind or let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We ought to act different. We ought to talk different. Well, it'll be different. And in verses 14 through 16, what then is produced by the person in Christ who is raised with Christ and who is seated with Christ? It is a person who incorporates Christ's love, is embedded with Christ's peace, and is immersed in Christ's word. Friends, listen, this would, this would be the, the uh, living the resurrected life that is ours in Jesus. You know, Jesus says in, in John 10, 10, he says, I, I'm come that you might have life and have it abundantly. That's what Jesus wants you to live. That when you become a Christian, that we're to live that life that reflects Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. You're to reflect that life. You're to be a person of joy. We should not going, be going around acting like we, we just ate dirt from the open end of a sewer line. Be a happy person. Be a joyful person. I think that's what God would want from us anyway. The third thing. We as believers are served, are served by Christ. Christ. So then, in what way does Christ serve us? Jesus, on the night which he was betrayed, said, uh, and then to be crucified, said to his disciples, it is to you, listen, it is to your advantage, it is to your advantage that I go away, John 16, 7. What advantage will they have when, when Jesus is crucified, is buried, and resurrected, and is, is exalted to glory? What advantage is it then to his disciples and to the church? What Jesus is speaking of is that there is coming and there is right now, there, folks, there's right now in this world today, there is a ministry of the Holy Spirit in this world because the church is still in this world. That the Holy Spirit ministers in and through the church. And also in dealing with the, the hearts and minds of those who are to hear the gospel. Do you know that some of you this may be out here, I don't, know, I don't know all of your hearts. Maybe all of you are Christians. I I would love to assume that, but you know, sometimes when we assume things, we make ourselves go crazy, but we should not assume all things. So maybe there's someone here who does not know Jesus Christ today. Do you know that right now, if you do not know Jesus Christ, that there is a possibility because I can't, I can't guarantee this, but I know that the Holy Spirit works where the Holy Spirit wants to work. I have no idea on whose heart the Holy Spirit is working on right now. But maybe he's working in your heart. That you need to come to Jesus. That you need, you need to know Christ. That you need to have a life with Jesus. That you need to get rid of that old life that is, that is just, just burning you that is a problem to you, that is a trouble to you and your family and to your boss and whoever else you know, that the life that you have right now is just a wreck and it's a ruin. You are broken. Your life is broken. Your marriage is broken. Your home is broken. Everything is broken. But let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is the great fixer. And so maybe the Holy Spirit's dealing with your life right now. And unless he works in your life and opens your heart to believe, you'll never come to the truth of who Jesus is. I pray right now that the Holy Spirit is working in your life, drawing you to Jesus. But there's another factor, another truth that has to be considered here. It is the work of Christ himself on behalf of his church. And he is now the resurrected and glorified Lord, and he is the head of the church. I've shared this with you before, and I feel like I need to share this with you again. What is Jesus doing in glory? Is he just sitting there at the Father's right hand saying, man, I've been sitting here for 2,000 years already. Is that, all, is that what he's doing? He's just sitting there, just waiting, just waiting, saying, Father, it's been 2,000 years. It's not, it's the scripture. See, listen to what the scripture says. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse, in verse 1 that Jesus Christ is our advocate. When you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. Listen, when you blow it in life, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. He is, he is your lawyer. He is your attorney. He is your advocate. He goes before the Father and says, listen, my brother, my sister has sinned, but I died for them. And they put their trust in me. And because they've, they've put their trust in me, and because I died for them, and their sins are forgiven, and I've imputed to them righteousness, because of that, that sin cannot be held against And Listen, Christ's resurrected life and the righteousness given to you precludes sin. That that sin, because of the cross of Jesus, has been forgiven. It was forgiven at the cross, it's forgiven in your present life, and it will be forgiven in the future. That you walk as God's son, as God's child forever. He is our advocate. The second thing, he is our intercessor. John 8, 34. That Jesus intercedes for you. He goes before the Father and says, you know, I know, I know this guy's tough. I know this woman's hard, but that's my child. That's my child. And he prays, he prays for you to the Father. He intercedes for you. The third thing, he is our mediator. 1 Timothy 2 5. There's one mediator between God and man, that's a man, Jesus Christ. You ought to, you ought to be real excited that Jesus is your umpire. You wouldn't want me to be your umpire. You know, I've taken these spiritual tests. You would not want me to be your umpire. You know, the the least on my list is mercy. Real big on justice. Real low. (laughs) Give it to him! (laughs) But Jesus, you know, there's only, there's only one judge in all of glory that can be both, that can minister both justice and mercy at the same time. There is no judge alive that can do both justice and mercy at the same time. They're contradictory terms. If, if a judge is, listen, if a judge gives full justice, then there is no mercy. If he gives, if he gives mercy, then he is depleted justice. Only God can do that. Only Jesus can do that. He is, listen, he is both just and merciful. I don't know how he can do that, but he's God. The fourth thing that Jesus does, Hebrews 4.14, it says that we have a high priest. Jesus is our high priest. You know what? Jesus is both a lamb that has been slain, and he is a priest that administers He's that administers the offering. What a God. This is Resurrection Sunday. Folks, this is Easter. When you see, listen, when you see the cross, I'm going to give it to you in proper English Jesus ain't on it. The cross is empty, and you know what? So is the tomb. Today is Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. We have a living, glorified, exalted Savior and Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords. And just as he was named at his birth, just as he was named at his birth, so he is named in glory. The angel says, his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for, the, for this For this Easter Sunday morning, bless your name, Lord. Bless your name. Lord, you are risen indeed. Father, if there is someone here that does not know you as the Lord and Savior of their life, Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit will convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Lord, that is not our call to make. Lord, the church can't make that happen, Lord. Our convention can't make that happen. Lord, that is your work. We are called to share the word. To proclaim the message, the good news of Jesus, the gospel that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again Lord I ask that if there is someone here that needs to meet you today receive you as their Savior Lord I pray that you will do that work in their life Lord draw those whom you have called Draw them to your side, Father. And may we celebrate with them on this Easter Sunday morning. May we celebrate together with them. What a wonderful, wonderful, amazing thing you've done in their life. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. My friend, simple question. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? If you do not and you believe in your heart that you need to come to know him as your savior i'm going to ask you to, as we sing today as we stand together let's all just stand as we stand as we sing i want to ask you to just step out of your seat and come on down here let me pray with you let me pray with you i would love to set up an appointment with you where we can sit down in my office and and i don't want to just take 30 seconds and talk to you here I I think it's worth more than that I would love to invite you to come and visit with me in my office if you have any Bible question about concerning your salvation or or whatever listen I would love to talk to you about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ and know for certain according to God's word that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and they can be your Savior